What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Excited for uh, for this one. We've got a great guest on today that, that's full of knowledge and a lot of experience and stories, and so it should be a good episode. Um, just excited to have him on here. Uh, thank you all again for tuning in, and uh, I'm not going to do too much of the pre-show rambling today. We're just going to get right to it. Uh, I'm going to introduce my guest here, Mr. Tom Roland. What's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Oh, doing good, doing good. I got to give a shout out to my buddy Jeff for reaching out to you and, and getting you to come on the podcast, and we're stoked to have you on here and and pick your brain a, bit, a little bit about about what's going on down there in Florida. For sure. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Are you doing much fishing this time of year? Um, yeah. Uh, right now we're we're kind of um, not not filming, but this is traditionally a very good time of the year to fish. Yeah, February's probably my favorite month of the year. Um, and some Februarys we can get, you know, 25 awesome days yeah. and other Februarys we get five awesome days, right. <laughs> you know, so, uh, it depends on the year, but this is the time of the year where the tarpon really show up. In my opinion, it's the best month of tarpon fishing. If the weather cooperates and, uh, the permit fishing's real good, bone fishing's good. I mean, everything's, you know, everything's good because the water has kind of bottomed out as far as the the annual temperature has kind of bottomed gotcha. out and so we're on kind of a a rise now the, we're on a rising temperature of course you can have peaks and valleys as it's rising you know we get another we can have a really bad cold front this month or even next month but uh typically the water temperature is is rising and uh the fish like that yeah for sure that's cool <laughs> i've tried to time it out i've, I've had a couple decent trips in february down there to fish and yeah. i feel like usually when i come i bring the cold weather from north carolina down there with me well, <laughs> february is a month that it's like a locals month almost it's like yeah. if, if if you live there you're going to get some good fishing you don't know exactly how much but it's going to be pretty good and if you plan it it's a crapshoot yeah kind of for sure but if you hit it right it's it's the best month in my opinion. Definitely, I would used to be more flexible before I had a wife and kids and whatnot, but yeah. but it makes it a little tougher to just slip away when the weather's good nowadays. Um, so where exactly in Florida are you located, or where, where, where's kind of your home base? Uh, well, well, I got it out of Key West for a long time, and mm-hmm. then the, we do the show out of Hawks Cay, right? Uh, and so uh, that's that's kind of the home base, cool. Alamorada Hawks Cay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, that, that's super cool. I've been seeing some tarpon pictures kind of sliding onto Instagram and stuff lately, and it's got me. Got me wanting to wanting to do some fishing. It's uh, I gotta wait a little bit longer before they get up here to North Carolina. Unfortunately, they don't. They're, they're not here in the winter by by any means. <laughs> if they are, they're dead. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, cool. Well, kind of tell people. I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with you, but kind of give your backstory how you got into fishing, um, and 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 kind of how it's brought you to where you are today through guiding and, and through the TV show and everything. Sure. Um, somewhere in college, I got the itch to to go out west. And that led to a job in Yellowstone National Park. And when I went there, I saw things that I had never seen before. I saw clear water and trout. And I grew up in Tennessee, and most of my fishing was largemouth bass and bluegill. And, and you know, I, I had never really seen fish in the water like that, with that super clear water. And that was it, man. That's all I needed to see. I knew that's what I was going to do um, in some way shape or form for the rest of my life i was just i was hooked yeah the next year i started uh i went to a guide school in jackson wyoming run by joe bressler and um i was lucky enough to get hired right out of that school and get a job in jackson wyoming we were fishing the south fork of the snake river for the most part um that was a really good time for that river it was fantastic fishing 
and uh, learned learned how to guide from some real pros. Uh, Joe was a very good guide himself. His dad was Vern Bressler. He started the Orvis Endorsed Guide Program, and uh, just just a real hard ass actually. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't he would he didn't tolerate any anything but excellence, and it was a it was a really good it was a hard way to learn because yeah. he didn't tolerate anything but excellence. So you got chewed out quite a bit, but you understood, you know, after a while. And and Vern was was a good coach. He was he was awesome. So I did that for, I don't know, seven years, I guess. And somewhere in the middle of that, I decided I wanted to try to, to fish year round. And we were not, the guides out West get more days than we did back then. We, we got 90 to a hundred days. Wow. And then, you know, there were a lot of, there's a lot of things that are different now. Like there's a lot more homeschooling. There's a lot of people that, that can travel and work from anywhere. Of course, the internet, you have, we didn't have the internet. So there's a lot more flexibility. And, and we saw that about September 5th, there were no more tourists. It was just over. So September was kind of our month to fish. October, you'd fish a little bit in there. November, it starts to get a little cold, but the guys out there now get a lot more days. So uh, I don't know if I would have made the same decision. Maybe I thought I could have made it out there, you know, with that kind of schedule but about september 5th we were done and we didn't really start until july 4th and so they're really not a lot of days um and i was working for another outfitter so i thought i was gonna um be a trout fishing guide looked at you know what were the possibilities in argentina chile kind of outside of the country and uh eh, didn't really have very many good opportunities or didn't know how to find any back then and uh there was a it was a there was an opportunity for Jackson Hole trout guides to go to Little Cayman and oh, guide cool. on the island of Little Cayman because uh, the person that owned the the newspaper in Jackson also owned a lodge on Little Cayman. And Little Cayman was a tiny little island. I mean, it still is a tiny little island, but it only had about 18 people living on it. It had this one little lodge on it, and that was it. And there were some bonefish there, some permit, and there was an in, in like a uh, an interior pond where there were some little tarpon. So, I mean, you, you, there were some good targets, but it was very limited. Yeah. And uh, I left there with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and we weren't totally sold <laughs> on Little Cayman. Like, <laughs> like, okay, well, that is an opportunity. Is that our best opportunity? And we went through Key West, and I went to see my friend Simon Becker, and uh, Key West is awesome. Key West is fantastic. We weren't there for... 30 minutes before we started thinking, well, what's wrong with this place? And then we went fishing with Simon and we went out to the Marquesas and saw that. And I was like, man, this place blows the doors off of little Cayman. Like, <laughs> what is, why, why did nobody suggest this? And nobody did suggest it because that's just, this wasn't really a thing that many people were doing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, you know, with the help of Simon and Michael Pollock, um, went down there and got my captain's license and spent a year learning the water and and then started started guiding in key west and for a while went from key west to jackson wyoming and you know in the in the winter time i'd be in key west and the summertime i'd be in jackson and then once i got married uh it was all key west and yeah. uh, that's where i've made my career that's and cool. um, from that we i got into fishing the tournaments and the tournaments led to the television show, and the show is called Saltwater Experience. It's been on the air for, this is our 17th year being on the air, um, and 
we we started a couple other shows. Me, we, I say, my my partner Rich Tudor and I, we started another show called Into the Blue with two other hosts, and then we started a bass show called Sweetwater, and um, and then today we also have um, Waypoint TV, which is um, a digital network for hunting and fishing, yeah. which is on all kinds of stuff like Samsung Plus, the connected TV space. Um, Pretty much everything but conventional television. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's where everything's yeah. moving to now. Really? It, yeah, it, it seems like it. I hope. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. You know, that we we are a little bit ahead of the of the trend, but that's what it seemed like. Because I mean, every year for the last you know six or seven years, we've been going to renew the contracts for the sponsors, and you know, the first question is, well, you know, half a million people cut the cable. What are you going to do about that? You know, your ratings went down, and you know, this is the answer. For a while, we had no answer. Right. And uh, Waypoint seems to be an answer that seems to be where people are going. Because I couldn't, I couldn't really tell where people were going at first. Like, okay, this many people are cutting the cable. Where, where are they going? Like, there wasn't a clear answer. Of course, Netflix and right, Hulu right. and stuff like that. But you know, um, there wasn't much outdoor wasn't content a, there, really. No, there, there wasn't. There's starting to be a little bit now. But Waypoint is, you know, all the time you know, on demand or or on the connected TV space. You can you can watch it all the time. So that's that's where we're really focusing our efforts now is 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 Waypoint. And of course, we're still on some Discovery Channel or we're on the Discovery Channel. We're on uh, Sportsman's Channel. So we're on some conventional channels. But Waypoint, we do better on Waypoint than anything else. That's awesome. So more people are watching there. Awesome. But that's the that's the short. That's the short version. <laughs> yeah, that's that was great, man. I was following along so so well. Uh, so tell me, was it kind of all fly fishing at first when you were getting started all fly being at out, first. out west? It was all fly at first out west, and even when I got to Key West, I probably didn't. I probably guided in Key West for five or six years without owning a spinning rod. Really? And <laughs> uh, yeah, and and then it took about five or six years to get any kind of confidence to think that okay, maybe I'm ready to enter a tournament, you know, and compete against all these other guys that I see at the dock and everything. And I thought very naively that you could go into one of these tournaments and, and compete with a fly rod. And I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know much about tournament fishing back then. And some of the, you know, some of the teams and, and particularly the, the guides and anglers that were in those tournaments are incredibly good with spinning rods. And, uh, you don't really stand much of a chance. I mean, it has been done. I think Tim Mahaffey won a red bone one time all on fly. Um, but it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. And, uh, so then I kind of decided, well, if I, if that's really something that I'm interested in, if I want to compete in these tournaments, which I did like fishing in the tournaments, I'm going to need to learn a new, a bunch of new things. And honestly, that, that was, that, that really extended, probably extended my guide career quite a bit because I was excited and I was learning all the time. And, you know, I had just fly fished, you know, a lot. Um, but then we would just have extended periods of, of the year where we would do nothing but fly fish, you know, in tarpon season or whatever. And, you know, from February through July, you know, there's no, no spin fishing. And then, you know, you kind of spin fish for the rest of the year. But then later, as, as tournaments became more and more a bigger part of it, you know, you need to practice with those anglers that you're going to fish with, and, right. and you start spin fishing for all kinds of stuff. And um, so I, I like both. I mean, honestly, I, I I look at both of them as a tool. I like fly fishing as much as anybody, and and 
I love fly fishing, but I also love spin fishing and bait fishing and lure fishing. And I could fish with a cane pole, man. I just like fishing, you know, <laughs> and I, I want to try to be good at, at all of them, right? Bait cast, For spin, sure. fly. And uh, I look at them like, like golf clubs in a golf bag. Like the, you, 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 you can be really specialized with one, but it's not always good. Right, I mean, right. you don't always hit a seven iron on every everything. You can be the best in the world with a seven iron, but, you know. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't mean other, you're going to go win the, the Masters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's, other, there's other things. And, and, you know, when you're fishing 300 days a year, you encounter a lot of weather that is not conducive to fly fishing. And, uh, you know, if you can open your mind a little bit, you can still have a great day and you can really – it, it, for me, it, it kept the learning going all the time, all the time learning. And that's, that's what I would get the most excited about. I think that I, I, we're very similar in, in the way we got started. Um, and for a long time for me, it was just fly fishing as well. And, and it's not that I got bored with fly fishing, but once I started venturing into bait fishing more and, and spin fishing and different tactics, like you said, it's so much more exciting, always being able to learn something, always being able to you know try something different. It's more to try to stay on top of, which as an angler, I think it just, like you said, it just makes you a better angler overall. And that's my end goal is how can I become right. a better angler? For sure. I don't know that either is more exciting than the other. But what is more exciting is once you've been doing one of them for a long time and you open this door into this new area, and a lot of people do it the opposite way that we're talking about. They they spin fish all their life right. and then they find fly fishing and they get totally into it um, because everything's new. They're learning how to tie flies. They're learning how to cast. They're learning all this new stuff. And it, it really, really reinvigorates them because they they're now learning and it's exciting again. It's a right. challenge. And before it was kind of easy. Well, it was kind of the opposite for me. I was way into fly fishing and then learned about spin fishing. And I was horrible at it at first. Uh, I mean, I had spin fish for bass and 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 bluegills and stuff when I was a kid. But you know, you're making these casts that plop into the water and and there's no accuracy and like I I don't know. It was a totally different deal when I when I learned how to do it and then fished with some anglers that were really 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 good at it i mean and and i i was just like wow okay i'm used to getting you know 50 shots on permit and 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 maybe we catch one maybe and this guy if he gets 10 shots he catches 10 fish yeah that's and awesome. that got exciting for me because i used to say oh i'd rather catch one on fly than 10 on bait well honestly i had never caught 10 on bait and catching 10 on bait is really fun it's, it's pretty awesome so that's awesome i rethought everything you know once i had fished with with some really great anglers for sure that's cool man i, I like that a lot and and it, it it affirms me in my belief too of kind of the same the same theory and i see it with clients a lot of times too you know you'll have a spin or a, a fly fishing client that's so against spin fishing you, you got a windy day it's cloudy you know the redfish are there but you can't get to the fly you can't see them you can't get shots at them and, and they won't pick up a spin rod and I, I try to preach that you know you can learn you can become a better angler all around with a spinning rod like if, you, if you're willing to pick up the spinning rod on, on tough days but I think like you said you said it so beautifully that they're all like a tool they're all like a different golf club in your yeah. bag and and going they are man way. but you know honestly it takes a long time to get there like in order to in order to be a good fly fisherman, you got to commit, and you got to you got to go out there on the days where it's just easier to pick up a spinning rod. And if if you just do that every yeah. time the wind blows, then you're never going to be very good. That's very so, true. So I mean, I get I get both sides of it. I get that you 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 know if you're trying to be good at fly fishing, then that's what you need to do. And then once you develop enough 
experience and enough kind of, uh, you know, I guess it's experience, experience both with a spinner rod and a fly rod, then you can comfortably say, oh, I think it would be more fun to spin fish today, or I think it's going to be more fun to fly fish or, or whatever. I'm getting ready for this tournament or whatever, so I really need to fly fish. Um, but each person is going through their, their own fishing journey, you know. Right. And, and you'll get to that point to where you're just like, man, it's fly or die. And I get that. Mm-hmm. But then maybe if they fish a little longer, then they realize, well, dying's not that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know That's I mean? very true. Well, tell me this. Uh, as far as going from guiding and the pressures of guiding every day and, and putting clients on fish, did that change much for you when you went into you know creating TV shows and whatnot? Was it more stressful? Was it less stressful? Like How, how, how did that kind of work for you, that transition? Well... I always saw guiding as an art form, really. I thought that, I mean, I put my heart and soul into it, and and I took great pride in in doing it. And it didn't matter if I had, you know, Fitz Coker, who is possibly the best fly fishing tarpon fisherman on on the planet, or I had somebody that had never fished before. I was equally as nervous for both of them, and I was always nervous before charters, even if I had fished with the guy hundreds of times. I had clients that I fished with at the end of my guide career, really, I was I was fishing three people 100 days at a time, and each time that those people showed up, I was just as nervous as the first time that they showed up. I wanted to show them a really good day, and I had uh, you know a plan out in my head, and you know an A, B, C, D, E, F plan, and all these contingencies and everything, and I was just very nervous. Uh, well, I don't know if it's nervous is the right thing. I was, I was kind of, I just wanted, I just wanted to have a great day. Yeah. You got some butterflies in your stomach, and it feels the same way as it did for a high school wrestling match. Like, okay, here, here is what I've been working for. Well, when it came time for the TV show, um, or even tournaments. Tournaments were kind of the same way, but I still have somebody in the boat. And then when we fished the professional tournaments on the professional redfish tournament, those were stressful because there was financially there was a lot riding on it. Um, we would, we would, I don't know. This was probably the worst idea I ever had, <laughs> but we would have a full schedule of these world class fly fishermen that had booked us a year in advance to to fish tarpon season. And one year we just said, you know what, we're going to go do these redfish tournaments at the same time that, that that's happening. So we're not going to be able to, I'm not going to book those days this year. And it, it, it hurt a lot of feelings and it, it caused, caused kind of problems. But I was sure that it was the right move in some way, shape or form to leave, you know, paying tarpon customers and sleeping in my own bed to going to Texas and trying to catch uh, two fish that would win you $50,000 or whatever. I would have made more at home. Right, right. You know, and, and only one person is going to win. And we didn't win any of those tournaments in Texas. We never won. Uh, not in Texas. Um, so that was a terrible idea. But I got very nervous about those things because there was a tremendous financial um, uh, weight on my shoulders there because I was supporting a family. The only way that, I mean, I, I'm not a trust fund guy. The only way I had any money is showing up and pushing the boat around. Right. And, um, so in order to do that, there was a, it was a huge risk. So that was very, very, I was very nervous for that. Then the TV show is a little bit different in that you have a lot riding on that and you have, 
now all of a sudden there's a lot of other people involved you know we have three cameramen we've got a chase boat we've got an underwater guy we've got a drone guy we've got a still photographer and some of those people are double duty like the still photographer is also the drone guy and sometimes he right. drives the boat but there's all of these other people and um that is tricky to go out there and do what we were doing on a regular guided trip you know, where you're worried about these spooky fish and all of that. And now you're taking another boat with you and all these people are hatches are slamming and people, everything's loud. And, and then you, you go up onto the fish you're getting ready to make the cast. And, and one of your camera guys is like, no dude, you can't cast like that. You're right into the sun. I can't, I, I don't have a <laughs> shot here. And you're like, man, the fish are not going to stay here. And they're like, yeah, I think they will. <laughs> you're like, oh, well, okay. And so you back off of that school of fish. And sure enough, man, I learned a lot like that. Because if you're really patient and you move really, really, really slowly and you stay way away from the fish, you can get yourself in these situations where you can pole around a school of fish and then, then now you're on the other side of the school of fish and the camera guys have their 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 the sun at their back and, and you're looking, you know, into the sun, you know, as opposed to the other way around. And we we've done that before yeah and i didn't think it was possible but you can <laughs> but as far as being nervous there's just a lot more financial risk involved i mean if we don't get a show um you know it costs us a lot of money and that it's a razor thin margin anyway so the faster we can get a show and the better we can make it the better off everybody yeah and and so Yes, there are nerves, um, but I don't know. After 17 years, you kind of just think, well, we're going to do the best we can. We're going to do what the weather allows for, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to give it my best. And, and other than that, there's not a lot we can do. I mean, we are dealing with wild animals and Mother Nature, and you know, there's only so much you can make yeah. happen. So For sure. You I know, we're... Sorry, what were you saying? We're nervous about it sometimes. We're nervous. I mean, sometimes you're nervous about it, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's always a good nervous. There wasn't a big change between guiding and and uh, and the TV or guiding in the tournaments because I took guiding very, very seriously. I, I mean, I was. it didn't matter if I knew the person or not, didn't know them or whether they were good or had never fished before. I, I took every every trip very seriously. Yeah, that's awesome. Someone I, I was talking to on, on a podcast, I can't remember exactly who it was recently, just put it really well and it, what you just said reminded me of it but they, they were saying that it's one of the few professions in the world where you can do everything right but at the end of the day you're still relying on you know a, a wild creature to cooperate the way you want them to to get the end outcome that you're you're desiring well, i so. mean you can you can do that but then you also have another another um element that's out of your control is your angler skill level yeah. when you're trying to fly fish for permit or fly fish for bonefish or giant tarpon i mean that's a big factor. And there's a reason why the same, you know, little pairs of, of a guide and angler win all the tournaments in the Florida Keys. It's because they're good and the angler can do their job and the guide is doing his job. And then together they're, a, they're really good. Yeah. So when you have that magic combination, you catch a lot more fish. I mean, yeah. there's no question about it. And when you're fishing for somebody for the first time and they can cast 30 feet, I mean, you might catch one. Yeah. You know, you hope you're going to catch one. You'll do everything you possibly can. Sometimes you use the boat to catch one. Right. Like just leave it. You just start pulling your ass off away from the fly. Right. And, <laughs> you know, maybe you can catch them like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, there's a lot of things that are out of your control. And I, I think you, 
you know, but there, but there are a lot of things that you can make happen, yeah, you know, through sure. hard work and, and, and not quitting and not giving up on your client. There's, there's a lot of things that you can, you can make happen too. Definitely. I think that's a, a place you've got to fight, at least myself as a guy, as a guide sometimes is, is that struggle of like, when you do have that client that you feel it's going to be very difficult and the conditions are stacked against you, you've got that choice of like, all right, I'm going to really get after it and, and try to make this happen. Or, or you can kind of crumble into yourself and be like, just go through the motions and, and, you know, and, and you're never going to catch them that way. You can make it feel like it's going to happen, but, but to really, I think that's what separates a good guide from, from, from not a, a not good guide is one that even when everything's stacked against them, they're still going to get out there and, and do what they can to, to put their clients in, in the best situation to catch fish. So out of all three of those, you know, the tournament fishing, the, the guiding and the television shows, is there one that you've enjoyed the most out of, out of, out of that career? I think the guiding, the guiding. I mean, I, I really loved guiding, and uh, um, I, I think that's, I think guiding is the most, that's that's the best uh, for sure because guiding, you know, you can put all this work into it. There's you're the only, you're not running your plan by anybody else. You're you're operating, you know, solely on what you know and what you're you're thinking and you're weighing all these risks and you're making these different runs. And, and when your guy catches fish, it's, it's instant gratification. Yeah. And there's like a, a, a surge of adrenaline and dopamine there that, you know, in the tournaments you catch a big fish and you think it's going to be a winner and you get to the scales and, and you're in eighth place. Yeah. You know, it took, it took hours for that to happen. Like with guiding, you're just happy, and you can see that your guy's happy, and 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 or a family. You can see everybody's happy, everybody's having fun. You know, they've already booked the the day the next year before yeah. you even get back to the dock. I mean, I just love that. The TV show is very rewarding, and I do like it. And there's a whole creative thing about it, but there's a real delayed gratification there because if we we might film a show. I mean, sometimes we'll film a show like say say in 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 2001 we filmed shows and then we ended up with with two extras mm. well those shows aren't going to hit the air for a year and a half right so i don't see that gratification right there. right like, uh, by the time those hit the air i've almost forgotten all about it mm -hmm. right but you know there's a whole creative process and sometimes you know there's a quick turnaround now with a podcast there's a much quicker turnaround. Like I could set up a podcast and do it in 20 minutes and then I could have that live in, in, uh, you know, by tomorrow. Yeah. And, and that's, that's even got more kind of closer to instant gratification that you just, you just put out something that was really good. People are immediately giving you feedback on it. Yeah, that's, that's good. The, the TV shows the longest, uh, delay and, and guiding, was probably the quickest so probably in the order you know guiding was my favorite i, I really like the podcast and then then tv you know it's 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 different um the gratification is 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 long term rather than there's no short-term gratification in the tv yeah yeah that that's I, I haven't thought about it in that way but that's really interesting um it, i mean even when you even when you do something really cool you go out you make the incredible cast and and you're like god i hope they got that and and you catch this fish that seemed impossible you don't know for months what that shot looked like right like you have it in your head 
what it looked like. And then you see it and you're like, oh. <laughs> it's a letdown. You've like really created it into this, this big <laughs> they thing. They didn't get it like I thought they did. And other times it's way better than you than you had ever hoped. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. That's that's kind of the that's kind of the order I think of 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 how much I like them. Do you ever do you ever find yourself wishing that you could go back to the like the simple early days of your fishing where there wasn't all this around it and you're you're way more into your career than I am. But so I do find myself sometimes like, oh man, I wish there wasn't drones now and all this like, drones is a big thing here because it's it's a it's mm-hmm. a, used as a very annoying scouting tool in a lot of ways for our redfish and uh, Instagram and social media which are all great things, but it's definitely created this double-edged sword of like you know, are we hurting, starting to hurt ourselves more than we're helping ourselves? Where do you kind of stand on that? Do you, do you feel like maybe going back in time would help, or, or I guess that's kind of a um, question. We can't go back in time. I think it's I think <laughs> it's pointless to think about it. Yes, I think that might help. Um, you know, I think the world was probably better before in social media in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways that that maybe there's some things about it that are that are better. Yeah. You know, pre pre internet was was really cool, and and post internet is really cool in a yeah. lot of ways i mean you know there's plenty of plenty of downsides to both and there's plenty of upsides to to both um i now do i your first question yeah i ask you multiple do questions I ever kind of back up and and wish that you know all the cameras would go away and and all of this i do yeah. and what i do is i plan time for myself to fish and i just did it i was in in uh bvi and just went bone fishing there, waiting by myself, no one else, and uh, just just waiting along, hoping you know I'll see a couple bonefish and, and catch one. And I don't have to catch a lot. I really don't. I don't you know, anymore. I don't have to catch a lot. I sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. But I, just the experience of getting back to the way it was when I first started. Yeah. You got a little little box the size of your wallet in your in your pocket with about 20 flies in there and a spool of tippet in your pocket and that's it one fly rod and and you're just walking and you might find something you might not that's to me that's amazing and i've done that recently uh in the bvi then i went to exuma not too long ago i did the same thing there um in that situation i had both my boys with me and that was that was really cool but no cameras no no uh chase boats nothing like that and I, I like that. I really do. I like to I like to do that because I like to remember what it was like. Um, you know, when 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 it's like that, you're wishing you had a boat. And you're wishing you had all this stuff. And then when you get all the stuff, you're wishing you could go back to that canoe or you could go back to that John boat and and do it with no cameras yeah. and, and nobody else. So I don't know. You're always you're always wishing for one or the other. But yeah. I do like both. I like having all the stuff. I like having nice boats and all the gear. But I also like doing something like getting in a canoe with one rod and just going down a river and 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 fishing. That's yeah. that's the way it started for me, and that's super fun. And trout fishing could be like that. Like I spend time trout fishing in the summer times, and I like to just go out there. You know, sometimes we use a drift boat, sometimes we just we just walk, and uh, you know, a lot of times I fish by myself and yeah. just just stay out there all day long and fish by myself. That's, that's something I don't get to do that much anymore, but I do enjoy it very much. Yeah. I think that's one of the beautiful things about fishing is it can be so different for so many people, you know, but, but equally as important and, and it's, it's such a part of your life, you know, whether you're, you know, catching catfish, you know, in a, in a river somewhere and, 
Missouri or you're sight fishing for tarpon and with a fly rod and you know in the keys it, it's it's the same but so different to, to everybody which is really really cool I like both yeah all of them <laughs> I was the uh, thing I really haven't really done much of and I don't even know that I want to is ice fishing um, <laughs> maybe I might like ice fishing I don't know I mean I like all kinds of fishing so yeah. I probably like it but that's not the one that I'm going to jump at. Right, you know? right. Like I'd go catfishing in the Mississippi River before I decided I was going to go ice fishing. Right, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the cold, but just sitting there in in that much cold would maybe get a little old for me. But I haven't done it, so I can't talk against it. But people seem to really like it. So, Well, I wanted to touch a little bit about kind of what the, the issues that y'all have got going on there down there in Florida. And I figured you'd be a great resource for the people that like to listen to this podcast to kind of explain kind of the clean water issues that y'all are having down there. I know... I've been seeing a bunch of stuff on Instagram about it lately. Um, but can you kind of explain for people listening what is, and I'm sure you've done so much of this lately, but what exactly it is y'all are facing down there in South Florida as far as your, your water quality goes? Sure. Well, at first, even for people that live in Florida, it's a pretty complicated, it's seemingly complicated issue because you got you got a giant lake in the middle of the state, Lake Okeechobee, mm-hmm. and around that you have sugar sugar land and 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 all kinds of other stuff and then all down the rivers and all around you have you have development you have people that are putting chemicals on their lawns and everything else so you'll hear about the everglades and you'll hear about the water issues in florida and for somebody that doesn't know that much about it and even when i was in the keys i'm like well wait a minute you got tons of fresh too much fresh water over here no fresh water down here and and i don't understand what's going on like so what ends up happening is when you get a lot of rain and Lake Okeechobee fills up, they have to do something with that water. And that water goes out two rivers. One goes to the to the east coast and one goes to the west coast. And there's no treatment of that water. So if you get that Lake Okeechobee water and it's got a lot of fertilizers and, and contaminants in that water and that goes out both sides of the state uh, at certain times of the year where it is warm and that water hits the the gulf of mexico primarily and hits that warm water we do have algae blooms that are natural in the state of florida but then you have these you know it's just like steroids it's like you you can get strong without steroids but then if you add steroids to it you can get really strong really fast right right? so it's the same kind of thing when you when you put a tremendous amount of water an unnatural amount of water out this river that goes out the Caloosahatchee River that goes into the Gulf, we have these unnaturally large algae blooms that are causing uh, all kinds of issues. The fish will die. You have fish all up and down the beaches that are that are dead. It is stinky. It's nasty. The fishing is terrible in those areas until it clears out, and you're having these massive fish kills over and over and over again. The red tide gets worse than it's ever ever been and it's it's an unnatural kind of thing so it's unnatural because at the same time that they're that they're doing all this to lake okeechobee there was at some different times through history they have built dikes and dams and roads all through the everglades and and have really blocked the flow of water going south so all of this excess water that would be in the that, that is now being shoot shot out both sides of the state used to flow in a laminar flow down south to the everglades 
And so you dike up all these places and you build roads through all here. And, and now you have stopped the flow of water south. Right. Right. So there's nothing there's nothing else that you can do but put the excess water out these two very straight pipes out the side of Florida. So way, way too much fresh water. That fresh water naturally should flow south. Now it's being directed both sides of the state. So just the amount of fresh water is a is a problem. Right. That it's it's going into these estuary areas and now they're too fresh to support the life that should be there. Meanwhile, in 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 our areas, Rankin Bite and Snake Bite and all this stuff around the Everglades, the salinity is so high that it's also causing problems. Seagrass die offs, all kinds of things. So it's really the reverse. All the fresh water is going out here instead of going south. And so there are a lot of different programs that have uh, been earmarked to help with this. In other words, they're, they're, if, if they could somehow settle the water out before they send it down the Caloosahatchee River and treat it so that they get out a lot of these harmful chemicals and stuff like that, then send the water south or, or send the water out the Caloosahatchee River, then you wouldn't see as big a problems, or that's the hope anyway. So there were the, there were these reservoirs EAA reservoirs that were the the money has already been book, earmarked for these reservoirs, and this is the big deal that just happened. Um, they had all the money earmarked for these reservoirs. They had uh, dates uh, where they were starting to uh, to work on these reservoirs. And they were going to these huge settling ponds, huge settling ponds. And it's not like we had to rewrite laws or anything or, or get a law passed or, or do anything like that. This had already been done 30 years ago that they had set up these EAA reservoirs and the money was just not being spent on them. So what Captains for Clean Water has done is they've gone in and they said, look, a solution already exists. And one of the big problems is that people don't understand that a solution already exists and the money has already been earmarked for this. And it's just been postponed and postponed and postponed over all of these years. And all we really need to do is get people to write their congressman, talk to their state senator, and tell them that we want these reservoirs built. Well, that was happening. And then just at the last minute here, uh, this Senate bill 2508 was introduced and uh, it was some pretty sneaky stuff to where that somebody was saying, well, now we can redirect these funds to other areas well Mm. it's because you have a group like captains for clean water and many other groups right there's there's it's not just captains there's a lot of people that are that are doing great work on this but it takes someone that is constantly watching these things and constant and knows the ins and outs of politics to know that people at the last minute in the 11th hour they slip this stuff in and change everything right like this if this had gone unnoticed it would have it would have totally um, uh, made uh, all the work that Captains has done over the last six years. It would have just been for nothing. Yeah. And so they're watching these these type things and and know about them and have have people in Washington, you know, watching for them. Yeah. And uh, that's what it really takes is some kind of leadership like that. Of course, you need some money for that, which Captains does. You know, they do take donations, but right now, I mean, it's their leadership and just their dedication to making sure that people are doing what they say they're going to do and that this kind of sneaky legislation doesn't 
doesn't slip in. Yeah. And luckily, luckily they did see that. So, um, you know, the, the problem in Florida is, is, is not enough freshwater in certain areas, too much freshwater in other areas. It's kind of tricky to understand, but, um, you know, if we could get some more water being sent south towards Flamingo and in that area and restore kind of a little more natural flow, that would certainly help if we could kind of settle out the water that's going out both sides of the state, that would certainly help. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, the problem in a nutshell. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that I like to point out there that captains also likes to point out is I don't really think it does any good to point the finger and, and of blame and, and, and scream and shout. I mean, I think that, that there are solutions and those solutions have already been voted upon and earmarked. And, and all we got to do is, is get them to, to, uh, to actually do them yeah and and that's that seems way more possible to me than than saying oh you, you know the everglades are all messed up and we need to you know build you know 50 bridges where where these roads have have blocked the flow ah, you know maybe i doubt that's ever going to happen right you know but anyway that's i hope i, I hope i no the, no that was great it was pretty pretty easy to understand because it I, honestly it took me a while to to fully understand what was going on because I don't, I don't fish in those areas in, you know, in, in, in North. I mean, I've been up there, but that's not my, that's not my water. So I don't really know those areas. Like I know the keys and you know, our problem is lack of fresh water and their problems too much fresh water. And I, for a while I was like, I don't know how all this is happening. Like how do we have not enough here and too much up there, but I, I get it now. Yeah, no, that, that, that's ex- been explained better than it has ever before and really helps me have a good understanding. So that, that's super Super good to hear. So, since captains and and the other groups you're talking about caught that, does it look like it, those settling reservoirs and everything are something that might they might be pushing to do now, or well, is back in the, well, I in hope the works? So. Okay, I hope so. I mean, it's a. I think that I think it became very evident. And and listen, I'm no I'm no political right, right. mastermind. I don't know what goes on in 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 I almost called it Hollywood. Sometimes it seems like Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. I don't know what goes on in in Washington necessarily. And and quite honestly, I I have zero interest in politics other than I, I like I like to fish and I want to I want to make sure that my kids can see the Everglades like I've been able to see the Everglades and and you know the state of Florida has has water issues and I'll do whatever I can to to try to preserve my own interests which is what most people do yeah. right like that's how people get interested in politics is something that you care about is not being represented or, right. or, or in danger of yeah. being destroyed or whatever. So, I mean, that's my angle here. I have no political, <laughs> political angle other than you I want to protect the water, you know, like to see them. Yeah. Protect the water. So, um, will the, will the reservoirs be built? I mean, I hope so. I hope so. But it, this, this last little Senate bill thing made it, made it pretty obvious that that's a pretty good sum of money that other people have ideas that would, promote their careers and and get them elected into into future office and 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 make them look really good to their constituents and stuff if they could redirect that money towards you know probably good things probably schools probably roads probably stuff that we would also enjoy right but you know it it's it, it it's there for this water project and hopefully it's going to stay there and if it does stay there and people do what they say. I do believe that the reservoirs will be built, and I believe that they'll be that they'll be effective and and will result in in a in a better Florida. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you know, just being out 
you see something like a hurricane come through your area or 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 I don't know, you could have a sewage spill, you could have anything. Right. If you just give mother if you just beat mother nature down, you can beat her into submission. But if you just back off a little bit and give her a chance, man, just just back off a little and let some of that fresh water come in there and just just let it breathe a little bit. Man, she'll come back. Yeah. I really believe that that she will, and it doesn't take that much. But when you just when you just beat her down over and over and over again, I mean, I, I think there's only so much that can be taken. Yeah, I agree. Know, for for its permanent damage, but I don't think that we're there yet. I, I really don't. I don't think that we're at the permanent damage state. I think that there's still lots of hope, and uh, and that's why I, you know I like I like captains for that. They they're full of hope. And they're full of uh, a positivity. Yeah. And there's some other groups out there that point the finger, and and I've never supported them. And and maybe they're very effective too, but that's just not what I believe. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's how you solve a problem. No, I, I agree. I think that's been what we've seen a lot with our issues up here. I'm not going to get into all that, but but it, you know, it's just it should be all about you know how can we join together to 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 fix this? What's how can we all make this better for everyone in, in any of those situations? Uh, well, we'll tell before we get or finish up with this, I'd love to for you to be able to share a little about your podcast for people that might not have listened to it. I'm sure most have, sure. but um, when, when did you start your podcast and, and share a little bit about kind of your goal with your podcast well, and your episodes? I think, I think today we released episode number 575. Um, so I think I've been doing it for three years, uh, maybe four. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's been a while. I started out and I just decided I was going to do one a week for um, one a week for a year and just try that. And what my idea of the podcast was is I really wanted to, there were certain people that I really wanted to hear their story, uh, especially the icons in the sport and people that I really looked up to and admired that maybe may not be as well known. Um, and I w- I've been able to do that, man. I've been able to go and interview Bill Dance and Roland Martin and Jimmy Houston of the bass world and, you know, like Robert Trossett's of the, of the saltwater world, guys that have 238 world records and, and wow. just have lived these amazing lives. And, you know, and then also be able to, to, to like talk to the new generation, like the Richard Blacks of, of, of the Florida Keys and really anybody that is doing anything cool outdoors. And so people seem to like it, and then we kind of, I was able to kind of expand out um, beyond just fishing into things that, that are interesting. Like, I, 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 like, I like the idea that, that people can make stuff happen in their life, like something that they find interesting or, or they're passionate about, that they, can, that they can make something happen, they can make a career out of that. Yeah. Like, you take yeah. somebody like, uh, like Jessica Mills, um, she has a, a, a YouTube channel called Homemade Wanderlust, and she had a job, and she just um, quit her job and decided she was going to hike the Appalachian Trail. She had never been camping before, and then she hikes the Appalachian Trail, does a little YouTube channel about it. It's pretty popular. Then she does the Continental Divide Trail. Then she does the Pacific Crest Trail, and she's a she's a triple crowner. She does all this other stuff, and she has managed to make herself a professional backpacker, That's which awesome. I just find fascinating. I, I just find her story fascinating and I, and I like the parallels because a lot of people that listen to my podcast, they want to know like 
how do I quit my job and start this tackle shop that I want to do? Or how do I quit this job and become a fishing guide or, or whatever, a personal trainer, whatever it is that they want to do. And you know, it's these little, it's these stories of how other people have done it in whatever, uh, line of work. A lot of times it's fishing. Sometimes it's hunting, but it's usually associated with the outdoors. And somebody does something that, that honestly was pretty, pretty difficult. It kind of went against all the odds. Those are the stories that I like the most. And, and I love to find, find the stories and, and, you know, just, just tell them. Yeah. So I produce three a week. There's a how to Tuesday. There's a full length, which is like the conversation we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And then, then, uh, one of the things that's been really important to me is, uh, as a, as a fishing guide is, is, uh, my physical body and, you know, being a fishing guide is a very physical thing, especially in the Florida Keys where you're on a boat all day. And I just found that the better shape I was in, the more days I could go in a row and the better I could support my family. So being, uh, in, in good shape and taking care of your body, especially as I'm aging now, I'm 53. And, uh, you know, there's, I've learned a lot of things that, that I share with the audience about how you can take care of your body. And, and I'm, I'm training to fish to when I'm, when I'm 90, yeah. you know, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. And, uh, so that's what the, that's what the Friday, the physical Friday thing is all about is being able to, to, uh, keep your body in good enough shape that you can continue to do the things that you love outside and, and do it with the people that you love. So yeah. that's 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 what it's all about. That's awesome, man. That that's an inspiration for for me with this podcast. And it's cool to see what you've done with it and, and how it doesn't have to take a you know necessarily like you don't have to be just a fishing podcast or just like a talk about tackle podcast. You, you can I think sharing the stories is, is what's important and, and what people really like at the end of the day. So um, well, thank you so much, man. Is there anything else that, that I missed that you want to touch on before we before we in this in this podcast? Mm, no, not really. I mean, people can go and check out all our stuff. Uh, Saltwater Experience, we got 130, 150 episodes on uh, Waypoint, I think. You can go to waypointtv.com and you can learn how to watch that. You can watch it right on the website or you can get the app or you can watch it on connected TVs like Vizio or yeah. or uh, Samsung, Samsung Plus, all kinds of things. There's a whole page on there that you can learn how to watch it any which way you want. And um and that's really our, our big, big thing, you know, saltwater experience in the podcast. Yeah. And then we have the other shows, the end of the blue and Sweetwater, and they all have websites and social media. So you can, you can find them there and love to love to, you know, see anybody that, that comes over there and, and start a conversation or, or, uh, have new listeners for the podcast. That'd be awesome. Definitely. And I will link all of that stuff, uh, in the show notes of this podcast, uh, as well as over on YouTube. Um, and I'll get those links from you after the show, but man, yeah, definitely go check out all their stuff. Just incredible, incredible TV shows, incredible podcasts, and just a great place for, for outdoor and fishing content. Tom, man, thank you so much for coming on here. Hey, and, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to do another one sometime in the future. Sure. Um, this is, these are the kind of shows I really like. I feel like just, a, just a good story, good conversation and, and really enjoyed, enjoyed having you on here. So I, I do appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Well guys, thanks for checking out another episode and we will see y'all next week. Later.